it appears to be an old image um, of, a, of a man sitting in a chair. In the picture, he appears to be naked, although on the postcard, um, there's a graphic of a piece of cherry pie that would be where his bathing suit would be if he were wearing one. And the card reads, I like to hide pictures of naked old men in copies of the Da Vinci Code at my local bookshop, like this one. One, one thing that's come up in, in some of the other interviews I've done is that basically there are, there are three different kinds of secrets. Uh-huh. There's the personal secrets, which you can't reveal because they're embarrassing. There are the secrets of friends, which you can't say because it might damage them somehow. Um, and then there are the professional secrets, which you can't reveal, otherwise someone will get fired or something like that. Right. Which of those three do you think are the hardest for you to, to carry? To carry or to talk about? Both. I think that they're both going to have to be the personal secrets. Like, uh, you know, I have work secrets that, you know, I would share with you off the record. And I have, you know, other people's secrets, which I largely forget about. Um, But my own secrets, you know, are generally so, you know, deeply entrenched in my own personal shame, you know. My secrets, it's, you know, my shame. So those are the hardest ones to carry. They're the hardest truths to face. They're the you know, certainly the hardest to talk about. I have secrets that I've never told anybody about, and I won't in the near future. Do you do you hope to be able to talk about them eventually? <laughs> uh, no. I think my, my only hope is that my secrets never get out. But uh, I'm sure it would be healthy if I could talk about them, but, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, always healthy. Are there certain relationships that you've been in where you feel totally comfortable laying absolutely everything out on the table? I've had one or two relationships in my life. No, maybe maybe just my rela- one relationship where I've actually been able to be completely honest and, you know, just lay everything out on the table. And, you know, I think that was the best relationship I've ever had for that reason. Right. But for the most part, no. For the most part, I'll always have secrets. This one is a drawn image of Babar uh, from the children's book. And there's a little story next to it that reads, When I was a child, I was constantly terrified that my entire life was just a story being read by King Babar to his children, and that someday he would close the book and my life would end. Betsy's life has an air of secrecy to it. It's just so much to tell a child that you, half of you, comes from somewhere. Her father, he, he's kind of a secret, even though he's a guy who she can meet when she's 18. Think of it as like the slow unfolding of information 
There was an art project, an art exhibition in Washington, D.C. about a year ago called Artomatic. And people are invited to pay about $60 and have some exhibit space in this huge show. And so I paid my $60 and I, I handed out 3,000 postcards that I'd printed inviting people to share a secret with me, something that was true and something that they'd never told anyone else before. And I passed these out to people. Um, I passed them to strangers in, in art galleries, at restaurants, at movie theaters. I put them in between the pages of, of library books. And slowly people started mailing me their secrets anonymously on the backs of these postcards. And as they arrived, I would display them at the exhibition as they came in. And this went on for about three or four weeks. And at the end of the show, I stopped passing out the postcards. But people started making their own homemade postcards and mailing them to me. And so the project kind of took on a life of its own at that point. And cards weren't just coming from the local area here, but they started coming from all across America. When secrets started arriving on their own spontaneously, after I stopped handing out the postcards, I was receiving maybe three or four or five a week. And that went on for um, six or seven weeks. When I created the website to display those, I had the goal of receiving 365 secrets postcards by the end of the year. Well, it's, it's December now, and I've received well over, well over 12,000. They're very pithy. They've thought out exactly how they want to express themselves. You know, a postcard is only six inches by four inches. It's a very finite space. So you really have to choose your images and, and your graphics or pictures carefully to express exactly what you want to communicate. I think I have a presumption that all of us have these rich internal lives. Um, I think there's almost this hidden landscape or topography that, we're, that we kind of share but we don't necessarily talk about. And one of the things I've discovered is that um, while I think it's very healthy to have close friends and family members that we can share our secrets with and be intimate with that in that regard, I think sometimes if you have a secret about a family member or if your secret involves your friends, then that kind of locks you in a position where it's difficult to find a safe place to share that information. And forgive her to us, our debtors, as we forgive her to our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So what kind of secrets have you kept from your parents? I would have my own 11-year-old version of porn, and I would hide that. And uh, What is an 11-year-old version of porn? What it was, was I would... Uh, I would try and get home before them, and I'd go through the mail, and I'd take out the Victoria's Secret catalog. And I would have the most, like, ridiculous hiding spots. Like, you had to move a dresser, and it was, like, in a compartment under... Like, it was super well hidden for a Victoria's Secret catalog. Um, and I think later I found out that, you know, my father also had a stash of Victoria's Secret catalogs, but, like, I beat him to them, you know, from, like, 11 years old and on. 
And I'm sure my mom was like, where is the fucking underwear catalog? I want to buy some underwear. But like, you know, like I was on top of that shit. I think I like had like a built-in sense of like when their mailing schedule was. And like I would just get like a little like twinge in my ear. I'd be like, oh my God, it's Tuesday the 16th. I know what day that is. It it had like worked its way into your circadian rhythms. (laughs) Ah. On one side of the postcard is a picture of a family. And on the other side it reads, my little brother is half black. He does not know and my mom won't tell him. I don't want to be the one to tell him because I'm afraid he will hate me. Betsy is my biological daughter, and her biological father is an anonymous sperm donor. So he he's kind of a secret, even though he's a guy who she can meet when she's 18. recently been a lot in the press about these known donors or identity release donors and when children of these you know bred from these guy bred <laughs> like they're you know tomatoes their their offspring their anonymous offspring reach the age of 18 they have they can contact these men through the sperm bank But until that point, uh, their identity is a secret, or it, it's just, it's unknown, and I have a lot of information about him, and I'll be sharing it with Betsy over the course of her life. But, you know, the, the unveiling of that information is really complex, and it has to do with when she's, devel- again, developmentally ready for different pieces of information and she you know once she learns where babies come from and understands that that it involves a man and a woman well then she'll start to wonder about the man and and so it'll be a slowly I, I think of it as like this slow unfolding of information she's four and she's She's pretty smart and she's pretty intuitive and it's starting to feel like, wow, it's time to, to start talking to her about some things and I don't want her to feel like it is a secret, but I have a feeling that if we wait much longer, she'll be like, wait a minute, <laughs> why didn't you tell me? Have you had any kind of conversations at all brushed on? Well, we read Heather Has Two Mommies because it's like the only book in the world appropriate for our family and there should be many more and there aren't yet I've been adapting it for her age so we started reading it when she was two and I you know read some of the pieces of it not others and now that she's four I'm actually adding content to it (laughs) and so very recently you know there's this there's a little page about the mommies wanted to get pregnant so they went to a special doctor who inserted some they actually say sperm but we say seed and so I have been adding why do they say why do we say seed uh sperm is a weird word to explain (laughs) and she understands seeds because you plant them and things grow and sperm is like man seed but we haven't gotten into that
So now when I read Heather, I talk about how the seed comes from a man. So that the, this actually just very recently I threw that in. And I'm slowly, she hasn't asked me about it, but I'm slowly incorporating into our reading of Heather more and more information so that she'll have the information she needs to ask me questions if she wants without me actually sitting her down and having a talk with her, I think. Well, here's a little bit more information, a little bit more, and then she can bring it up. But So it's like I have a secret about who she is and the fact that there is a biological father out in the world that is hers, but she thinks she's a little girl who doesn't have a dad, and, um, and she doesn't. Be a biological father being very different from a from a dad, you know, in the traditional sense of the word. But she's old enough now, so it's starting to feel like I know something that she needs to know, and I'm slowly trying to unwrap this secret uh, in a way that is appropriate for her, for her age, uh, and will be a gift to her one day, you know, when it when it eventually is all told. This one I like a lot, too. It was mailed to me on part of a Starbucks cup. And it simply reads, I give decaf to customers who are rude to me. So tell me a secret that your parents kept from you. A secret that my parents kept from me? Um, when I was in elementary school, I think I was like four or five years old, I had a dog, and it was like a mud. It was like it was like my dog um, that I'd had since I was born. And uh, we moved. We moved to a new house, and the new house had this huge garden. And my mom was like a gardener, so that was like a major like point of pride for her. And the dog was really pissed that we moved, so the dog tore up all the plants, and it like tore up the lawn. And, you know, I I was pissed too, but I was five years old, so I, like, showed that by, like, being mopey and, like, putting sad faces on my crayon pictures or something. And uh, they got rid of the dog, but they told me that they gave the dog to a nice old lady, which, you know, which I believed, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, but at the same time, like... You have to imagine, like, your dog hanging out with this nice old lady, and she probably has a big yard, which I'm sure was part of what they said. And I was like, oh, that's probably not so bad. Like, ten years later, I'm sitting in high school, I'm in math class or something, and I'm doodling or playing games on my calculator, and I'm like, gave it to a nice old lady? They killed my fucking dog! And I like excused myself from class and I ran to a payphone and I called my mom and I was like, gave it to a nice old lady. And she was like, well, what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? I was like, my dog, you killed my fucking dog! And she was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we, kill, we killed that dog. <laughs> and I was like, huh? What? Uh? I was like, huh? What? Uh? 
That's actually like a very sad story from my childhood. I don't, yeah. Fucked up. Well, did it take you a, a while to like forgive your parents? Well, I mean, I was 16 at that point, so I think I already had a fair amount of like angst and like, whatever. I can't trust them at all. I probably had that already before I, you know, figured this out. So I'm not sure it had that much of an effect on me. Recently, this isn't so much a secret, but recently my parents put this, you know, quote-unquote replacement dog to sleep um, because it was old and, you know, it was in pain and, like, this time, this time they did it at the right time. Um, But... I found out about it while I was on a date. Like, I actually, I showed up to the date. Um, you know, we were supposed to meet at this statue at a certain time. So I got there at the, at the right time, and she wasn't there, and I had a phone message. So I was like, oh, she's probably running late or something. So I checked the phone message, and instead of it being this girl telling me that she's running late, it's my mom crying. And my mom is like, <laughs> we put the dog to sleep. Oh, my God. Your father and I are crying. <laughs> and it was like the most sad message, by far the saddest message I've ever gotten. And like, God. I'm standing there. Yeah, I'm standing there listening to my mom being like, she was quivering. They did it in the kitchen, by the way. Not to put a parenthesis in there, but they did it in our kitchen. Anyway, so yeah. So then I start crying. And in the middle of all this, the girl shows up. This girl who I'm going on my first date with shows up. And I'm standing there crying by this statue. And I had to be like, so do you want to go get some Japanese food or something? And, like, I still went on the date, but it was... Oh, I'm sure she was into it. I'm sure she was like, oh, he's a nice, sensitive guy. <laughs> yeah, needless to say, I did not get laid. listening to Love and Radio. The show is produced by myself, Nick Vanderkolk, and the contributing editor is Adrian Mathewitz. The name of this episode is Secrets. On it, we heard from Ben Popick, Harlan Aisley, and Frank Warren. Frank is the curator of the Post Secret Project. You can see the postcards he's talking about at postsecret.blogspot.com. Special thanks also to Aaron Henkin for sending us his interview with Frank. Don't forget... Our website is loveandradio.org, and we always love hearing from you. Get in touch with us at contact at loveandradio.org. <laughs>